I've seen the hunger and starvation. You're looking to the houses themselves, how they are built. Of course, they are built by plastic bags, cardboard, and so on. Every street and every corner, is, it's so filthy. You cannot even drink water in this, in this area. If somebody gives you water, I mean, it won't, it won't go down. For Sbuzi Gode, this is life in the Mjondolos. Thousands of shacks of tin and cardboard in Durban's 540 informal settlements. Zigode is president of the Shack Dwellers Organization, Abathali Basem Jondol. Abathali is not really a movement. Um, they really are a, a fairly small organization that has a lot of media attention um, and attention from, from uh, particular NGOs and, and, and other organizations. So they've really not had any impact. Former ANC activist Mike Sutcliffe is now one of the most powerful administrators in the country. Under his management, Eteguini, as the Greater Durban area is known, has been named the best-run and financially strongest municipality on the African continent. I know it's been said in public that they are one of the best municipalities, but the only thing they lack is years to listen to the poor, is respect for the elderly and the poor is a respect for the most vulnerable children and women in our society. This is a story of how two South African communities use the law to hold the government accountable. Eteguini is a holiday-maker's paradise, South Africa's second-largest city and the jewel in the crown of KwaZulu-Natal. Visitors see growth and prosperity everywhere. But for 150,000 shack dwellers, the glittering city and high-budget developments are daily evidence of the city's skewed priorities and callous disregard toward the homeless. Thousands of people flee rural poverty every day for a better life in the city. Shacks are supposed to be a temporary stop, but many never escape. Kennedy Road informal settlement became home to 31-year-old Sbuzi Gode when poverty forced him to drop out of a law degree. In Kennedy Road, he joined the activists, their struggle for land and houses. With Sbu's help, the community began to get organized. In 2005, they held meetings to protest a municipal decision to sell land in Kennedy Road for a brickworks instead of building houses. They held a march and demanded that their local councillor address their concerns. Instead, the police came. Nothing was new. The same strategy that was used against apartheid were used to highlight our plight and to get attention of those who were responsible for lies and so on. The protests spread. Abasali Basem Jondolo was born. Zigote claims the organization draws support from 34 settlements around Greater Durban. We realize that our government, you know, the language that they can understand is through putting thousands of people in the street. That's what democracy means because if one person speaks, it's just not be uh, taken seriously. The shack dwellers make headlines, but their protests don't deliver houses. Confusion and uncertainty continue. Busisiwe Gule lives with a disabled partner and two small children. The makeshift paper and tin shack offers hardly any protection against Durban's sweltering heat or criminals. Constant worry makes Busisiwe ill. She suffers from depression. 
but she has carefully kept a receipt from the council that she believes proves she's entitled to her house, even though her name doesn't appear to be on a waiting list. Even more baffling to the shack dwellers is council's demolition and relocation plans. Busisiwe sees houses being built all around her. All are given to people from outside the area, while on her door, a mysterious and ominous mark appears, and on the doors of her neighbors. One morning, 89-year-old Mrs. Mbigo receives a letter from the council. She can't read. Some young people come over to help. It says she is to be relocated. Just before local government elections in late 2005, Abashali thinks their marches may have forced a breakthrough. We are here today to unveil, if you like, very prematurely, one of the largest and much more improved project that we'll be doing. The officials at Nigel will go into the details. In November 2005, Mayor Obed Mlaba announces a 10 billion rand project to build low-cost houses on prime land north of Durban. This is going to be a very mixed-use project, which could easily accommodate between, excuse me, 15 and 20,000 housing opportunities. Abashali are skeptical. Sbuzi got their rights to Mlaba, inviting him to a meeting to provide more detail on his statements. But the mayor fails to show up. To our surprise, the mayor was nowhere to be found. We were only told two hours before the actual time in which the meeting was supposed to schedule that the mayor was no longer coming. So when we are prepared to talk, he's prepared to lie. Enter Mugelani Dimba, advocacy coordinator from the Open Democracy Advice Center, or ODAC, in Cape Town. Mugelani meets Abashali at a workshop shortly after the mayor's announcement. So they sent a letter with the same questions to the, to the city council to say, uh, in response to the mayor's announcement of this 10 billion uh, rand plan, uh, can we know more about it? For, unfortunately, they, they, they did not get a response, which then prompted them to start considering using the Access to Information Act. ODAC's executive director, Richard Calland, joins the case. For him, the right to information is the key to unlocking all other constitutional rights. Well, our mission and our vision is part of an international agenda, which is to link the right to know or the right to freedom of information with the right to human dignity. The ordinary campaigns for justice, social justice, that people are fighting throughout the world, whether it's the right to housing or the right to water. 
The right of access to government and privately held information is enshrined in Article 32 of the Bill of Rights in South Africa's Constitution. The right was given full force in 2000 with the passing of the Promotion of Access to Information Act. We have tried a number of times to get really what our people want. In fact, at this point in time, we are not expecting houses, but at least the information. When are you going to build these houses? Where are you going to build these houses? How are you going to build these houses? What assurance do you have that you are now going to be build these houses? Then what plan do you have, I mean, for our settlement's uh, future? Just that information. ODAC specializes in helping communities use the Promotion of Access to Information Act. The whole the idea is to try and see how we can structure a, a, a request for information that will address some of those needs. We see this campaign, uh, supporting this campaign here in Durban as a, a major uh, opportunity, not so much for ODAC, but for the right to know in South Africa. So it's not a luxury right, it's not a, uh, a first world right for journalists and for the media and, and for the rich. It's actually about human dignity. Word spreads through the settlements. Something is happening. The Promotion of Access to Information Act, or PIA as it's known, is taking the struggle in a new direction. PIA creates an extra platform for engagement. PIA creates a situation where there is sharing of information. And if you're going to say that information is power, then, then PIA gives them an opportunity uh, it's essentially a shot in the arm to say with access to that information they can hold officials accountable for delivery or non-delivery. We only have six of these water stands but that saves uh, 7,000 uh, people that are living here. So if there's 7,000 people sharing six taps, then can you imagine this tap on its own with So ODEC helps Abathali turn the initial letter to the mayor into an official request for information to the council, a request in terms of PIA that the council is legally obliged to respond to. On a hot spring day, Sbuzi Gode presents the request to the community. <laughs> Abathali's request for information asks for detail. How many houses are being planned? Where will they be built? When and who will qualify? The community decide to deliver the request to City Hall in person. You could really see that there were seeing this as a new, a, a new way of, of, of doing things. They were like, oh wow, you know, we have rights. We, we must exercise our rights. They wanted to see, they wanted to see the faces of officials when, uh, when they exercise this, this right, when, when they 
uh, occupy this political space because this is exactly what it was. It was occupying political space, forcing better engagement with, with, the, with the authorities. At City Hall, things are not so simple. It's not a matter of handing it over now. You have to speak to the secretary and they will decide what to do. Okay. Everyone else go wait over One spokesman is chosen to represent the group, but it's a comedy of errors inside. None of the official information officers is available. We had their secretary come down to, to say to us uh, she can assist with, with uh, accepting the request, but she wanted a payment of 35 rands, which is an application fee. Uh, even before looking at, at the application form that we were sending through to them, at which point we were quite quick to inform her the requesters are all exempted from having to pay fees. So she's gone up now to get more legal advice, which we are quite happy to challenge as soon as she gets it. It takes an hour and a half for the group to deliver their request to an official who knows what to do. But now that it's in, Abashali know the council has to take them seriously. So these have raised so many expectations among the shopkeepers because we knew exactly now we are using the law of the country. We are not using any uh, mass action, but we are using law which has to be respected and has to be uh, complied by the municipality. Not many copies because it comes yeah. from different areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. drive north of Durban, rural KwaZulu-Natal offers breathtaking vistas. But here residents have the same struggle, to get information from their local authorities. Ndambanana Ward 2 is miles and miles away from any tar roads, and when it comes to services, they're last on the list. We're, we're dealing with, with, I would say, neglect. <laughs> I think that's what we're dealing with here, because you have a village that is not getting services that other people are getting. It would have been a totally different matter if it was like a, a widespread thing, that the entire area doesn't have water. But in this particular case, basically this village simply fell through the cracks. <laughs> Winnie Biela grew up in Dambanana Ward 2, and to this day, she's never had running water in her home. About 6,000 people live here, and there's no year-round water source. <laughs> The Ndambanana Local Council falls under an Umbrella District Council. Winnie and her neighbours lobbied their local councillor to get the problem sorted out. So, 
neindawo oyibukayo ukuthi ah ayesizame In 2000 the women thought that the council had heard them a water scheme was introduced whereby water would be piped in but it soon became clear that you had to live on the main road to get access to the pipeline shooting abuka ukuthi uma ngasukumi thina ngoba sikho around the road asizukukuthola vele lamanzi ingakho ke ngahamba ngayo qoqisana nekansela ngalicela ukuthi uma kunguthi khona lapho ake sizame ukuthi siplani ukuthi ngesikhathi edweba kwidevelopment yakhe asidwebe nathi structure sakhe sokuthi uzosebenza kanjani wahamba ke nokho ke lokho wahambayo waze waphuma waze kwangena omunye singathola ngalutho lelo elalikho nangaleso sikhathi leza kuthini lafike lasho ke lathi e ishu yamanzi lihambisile kwabaphethe entambanana so liyasethembisa ukuthi ngikhamba kwesikhathi nathi sizowathola ke amanzi as the wheels of democracy turned ever more slowly winnie and her neighbor bongikile makoba became frustrated not only at government's lack of action but also at the lack of communication since i guess i can't say lo kulungenile alikazangela wabiza alikawabiza ama what committee ukuthi sengihambile emkhandlwini emkhandlwini ufike waqoqwa kwathiwa 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 alikakwenzi lokho The council eventually make a temporary plan. They begin tracking in water from far away in Banyeng. But for Winnie and her neighbors in Ward 2, the problem was not solved. Lathi litholitha ngelodwa for the whole of this community. Layo libeka ngale alibonakali kungale kwathika kwafana ke nokuthi mina nganingasuka lapha ya ngiye ngale ngoba kubonakali vele ngayibona ngisesenkingeni vele yamanzi ukuthi already shutha ngawathi from the desperation of no one getting water to the frustration of seeing water tankers chug by to fill up a tank that was even further away than the dirty river the women could not let the matter rest we we met uh, winnie and mrs makoba at a workshop and uh, what was being discussed at that workshop was the whole issue about uh, participatory democracy and and then people started talking about their experiences about dealing with government officials and then it came up this issue about uh, trouble in Tambanana regarding water our field worker then made a link he went back put together a request for information to go to the municipality that was responsible for uh, for for Tambanana and and yeah that's how the process started again the actual access to information request from the women to the municipality was straightforward Are there plans to bring us water? If so when and what do we do for water in the meantime? Namkwangijabulisa ke lo ngoba njengoba njengisebenzela umphakathi umphakathi sikhathe sini ukuthi iqhula ikhaya uzobuza ukuthi kwenzakalani kwenzakalani she had uh, uh, reported back to the community to say we met uh, ODAC and they're going to help us get information from the municipality regarding water in this area and uh, there's 30 days within which the municipality will respond So there was that kind of excitement. So oh, well, finally we're going to uh, get some kind of a solution to this problem.
Back in Durban, Abathali is waiting for the council to deliver on their request for information. But instead of a reply, trucks and security guards arrive. Where people are constructing new housing, anywhere in the city, illegally, the city is empowered to take action. Where they've already put a roof on that structure, it's more difficult. We need to go and get a court order on that. Now, we've won every case that we have to, where we're dealing with those matters. If a person starts constructing, basically, land invasions, illegal land invasions, someone is constructing a house, we're entitled to go and remove that. Whilst the shack dwellers deal with the aftermath of evictions, back at ODAC, Mugelani follows up on Abathali's request for information. So there can be no doubt that he has not received the request? Um, no, we, we actually have the proof that, that they received it. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's two days before the one-month deadline for Eteguini to deliver. ODAC's attorney, Debohoma Khalimeli, provides legal backup. Mugelani calls Mike Sutcliffe's office to check on the progress. He gets through to Mr. David's office. I'm, I'm calling uh, to find out from Mr. David how, how far the, the yeah, request you know, is and what is happening. Document. I'll tell you what, because mm. he has to get comments from the various departments. Yes. It's, you know, not, not just one department, you've got the electricity, the water, yes. various departments. Yes. So he's yes. still, you know, waiting for information from the other departments. Okay. And he's got a time limit within a, within a month, month to respond to, and for some reason he doesn't get all the information. Yeah. You know, probably he might even extend it for another month. Sutcliffe says the ANC-led council inherited a housing nightmare. By 1996, when local government started changing, over half of Durban's three million people were living in shacks and informal settlements. Sutcliffe claims his council has halved the number of shack dwellers since then and now delivers 16,000 houses every year. We have a very clear strategy that will take us to about 2015 where we will be able to say that um, well over 90% of the people, over 95%, will have access to decent shelter, to electricity, to water, to sanitation, to all of the basic services. Our strategy is clear, been developed in public meetings. The ANC has been re-elected in three uh, elections on that strategy, um, and that's, it's, it's broadly accepted. Sutcliffe says they've often told Abathali their strategy and it's easily accessible on the city's website for anyone to see. A 10 to 15 year strategy is not something that a person who's living in, in squalor now is necessarily going to accept because their question is going to be, but when am I going to be moving? Now, that's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy, he says, because some people may have been eligible for houses and have sold them, while others may not be eligible at all. And it may not be wise to share the details of all plans with voters. Information can also be dangerous. We don't want a situation where we raise an expectation of people which we know is not going to be realised. There are 500 informal settlements in the city. I'm not going to prioritise one of them and say that, no, just because your leaders are complaining, are uh, you going to get first access into the housing? Can't do that. That would be, I think that would be even worse uh, than, than providing no information whatsoever. The first 30-day deadline comes and goes. The council takes advantage of another month's extension that the act allows for. ODAC advises Abathali not to oppose it. The waiting begins to take its toll. Everyone's nerves are frayed and trouble keeps on following Sibu Zigorde. 
On their way to a radio interview, having hired a car for the occasion, Zigode and two Abahlali members are arrested on suspicion of driving a stolen vehicle. They are charged with resisting arrest and defeating the ends of justice. They knew exactly that we always speak the truth. So that's what I was arrested, so that I cannot be on the radio station. This was a political plot for me not to be there, to safeguard those who were authority. Some weeks later, all the charges are dropped. It's been a waste of time. It's been a dirty tricks. Uh, it's been a cheap politics, I mean, from the politician, because it's been a political motivator that we were arrested. It's been a waste of time. Sixty days pass. Still no word. Sutcliffe says it's a mammoth task to compile the answers. As a, a new democracy, we will be very careful because in the end, I'm taking, in the case of the Abahlali, uh, I think I'm taking senior professionals off their work to compile information. Democracy can be mighty inconvenient to those in power, but that's not really the point. The right to information is an established fundamental human right, established in international law, established in the South African constitution. So whilst it might be inconvenient to somebody like Mr. Sutcliffe, he has to also recognise that people have that fundamental right to know. And if he's serious, and if the government's serious about participatory democracy, then they have to make serious attempts to allow people not just to know what is going on, but to ask difficult questions and have serious responses to those questions. Eventually, council does reply, not by post, but by hundreds of faxed pages. We had to buy some big dictionary to find the speak with fancy jargon. So it's been a hell of a, another challenging thing. I mean, every old mama in Kokos were asking, now they have responded, yeah, mama, I mean, the answers are here. But I mean, it's taking time for us to say, from this question, when this is the answer. It's a whole lot of uh, documents. Hey, we go back to Mugelani uh, and say, hey, look at this information now. So it, ne it needs more people now, it needs more experts. Overwhelmed by the response they find incomprehensible, Abashali sends the papers on to ODAC in Cape Town. In turn, Mugelani has to rope in policy experts and technical analysts. Somewhere in there, they still hope to find the answers Abashali has been looking for. Banana, the flame of hope that was sparked by ODAC and the Paya request seems to splutter and dim. Even a simple request pertaining to water delivery in one small ward is met with confusion and delay. After raising the community's hopes, local activists Wini and Bongi must now field their neighbors' impatient questions. You have the same old problem with the time frames that are not being met. People were expecting answers from Mrs. Makoba. She was under a lot of pressure. She was calling us, we couldn't give her feedback because we didn't have any feedback to, to, to give to her. We were not hearing from the municipality. So for her, it was, it was that waiting period was quite, quite frustrating. It seems no one knew who should do what. The local Ndambanana Council is not responsible for making water policy. The faraway Utungulu District Council is not responsible for relaying policy to the people. In the end, it takes more than six months for the various councils to run the request through their structures and come up with a response. The answers come from Utungulu, two hours drive away from Ward 2, 
and the information is a pleasant surprise. A dam is being built and new tanks are being installed. In terms of the long-term planning, we want all our communities to have water, uh, reliable water, if I can put it that way. The long-term planning is that communities from that area will be getting water from the Pobane, which is actually, it's not even in, in Melmoth, it's on the other side in Mlalazi. But there are talks with the MEC and the MEC of local government in our province uh, to fast track the process because unfortunate for those communities, they are really at the end, at the really end of the line. So it means that they, they are the last people to get water uh, from, from that scheme. But there, there are processes to fast track that. The second one is, uh, is the, the short-term planning, uh, which is actually in, in a form of boreholes and uh, water tankers. Not only is Ward 2 in the council's plans to get water from the Pobani Dam, but there to get extra tanks as an interim measure. The municipality had these plans, and we've, we've looked at these plans because we, we got the information ultimately, and we've consulted with people who are specialists in the, in the field, and they say these are good plans. Given what the, the, the resources that the municipality has, these are reasonable plans for delivery of water. But the trouble is no one bothered to go back to the community and, 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 and uh, uh, address this issue and basically take them through the plan. So people were sitting there thinking the municipality does not care. And this is what happens when people do not have access to, to information. Ward 2 discovers that to be in council's plans is one thing, but only access to information allows them to keep government on its toes to ensure delivery and adherence to deadlines. You had the situation with Mrs. Markova saying, oh yeah, we saw those plans. We were very excited when we saw the plans, because there were, there were dates there. But then the time, you know, time went by and nothing was happening. Those dates were not met. Two years after the Paya request was launched, Ndambanana Ward 2 has a new water tank and the water truck stops close to Winnie's house. How important was the outside help from a law center like ODAC? I Back at ODAC, Mugelani and Richard have finally waded through the information received from Mike Sackcliffe and the Etiwini Council. On the whole, the, the, the documentation that we received was a patchwork of uh, incoherent uh, documents, that the documents did not speak to each other. The news for Abashali in Durban is mixed. Some shacks will be upgraded as the residents had hoped, but others, such as those in Kennedy Road, are likely to be relocated or removed. For Abashali Basem Jondolo, while it's clear that there is still a long road ahead, at least they now know where they stand and can adjust their strategy accordingly. We, we would have thought that the city would have a housing plan that addresses issues of access to water, 
access to electricity, access to sanitation. Sutcliffe is dismissive of this criticism of his policies and plans. They're entitled to have whatever opinion they have. If they feel that we've hidden anything from them, they have every right to go to court and, and ask for that, if they, they feel that we are. But uh, they asked us for specific documents and we gave them the specific documents. And what we ended up with were basically emails from that department, one pager from this department dealing with housing, uh, with electricity issues, another one pager from the department dealing with uh, disaster management. So th there isn't a comprehensive plan that, that, that looks at the global uh, uh, problem and addresses the problem from that angle. They will always appear to be patchwork because a document we would have to go and find, you know, if they say what is your policy on this, we'd have to go and find through the minutes.